It's time to raise the roof for our 10th off-season episode and our first episode of the new year. Quick happy new year to everyone. Uh, some crazy times going on, obviously, with the Rays. Things have died down a little bit, which is good. We uh, All three of us are here, so Gibby, Evan, and me are all here. And we have uh, another special guest, uh, another person from D-Rays Bay, who has joined the podcast uh, ever so graciously to talk about the Rays. Uh, Darby Robinson. Darby, how are you? How's everything going? I'm good, man. Happy New Year, boys. I'm happy to be here. Happy New Year. How did you, well, quickly, how did everyone celebrate the New Year? Very low-key at home. That's, like, probably like a lot of people, but yeah. Yeah. Just, just stayed home. About the same. Had a few, had a few high noons. Yeah, I was in Maryland, but (laughs) I I went back to the University of Maryland, but celebrated in a safe way, especially in COVID times, so, yeah. That's good. It was a good time, though. Yeah, I just I was watching college basketball and I was hoping that it was going to go like so it was I think it was Pac-12 basketball and Bill Walton was on the call so I was hoping that I would get to hear Bill Walton call up until midnight and then the game ended at like 11:59. So uh-huh. so so, so I was really sad about that but yeah no it was a good it was a good time for me I just played some I ended up playing some Jackbox games with a couple of friends over Zoom. So it ended up being a good time. Um cool. Yeah. So, uh, the new year is upon us, but we still have some lingering things to talk about. I know that we, the, the big thing, obviously, the Blake Snell trade, we discussed in our last episode, but uh, Evan and Darby were not here to talk about it with us. So, for both of you, uh, how did you, like, like, what were your reactions to, instant reactions to the trade, and now since it's been, you know, a week, week and a half, uh, how are you guys feeling about the trade? Uh, I guess I'll, I'll take it first. Uh... You know, okay, so the initial reaction was super shocking and not so much that the Rays don't do shocking stuff in the offseason. You know, if you're a Rays fan, you got to be ready to go in the offseason because some crazy is going to happen around every corner. But it was just super shocking because it felt like a year early on Snell. And so I didn't expect it. It seemed to come together very quick. I mean, the Rays are usually pretty, uh, you know, they play their cards close to the chest, so they don't necessarily give a lot of rumors beforehand. All we had was that kind of Mark Feinstein story early in the season, offseason, and then it basically all broke at once. So, yeah, it was, it was super shocking. I don't know if the shock has fully subsided for me, but uh, I think I can at least look at the deal a little bit more you know, I have a little bit more time to actually like think about the deal and process it in my head. And the initial just like, you know, wave of shock is now gone. Uh, Evan, uh, were yeah. you in a similar fashion to Darby? Yeah, I was definitely, um, there was definitely a sense of shock. You're, I mean, Cy Young winner in 2018. I mean, definitely a sense of shock, but his price was probably the highest it has been. And maybe it will ever be like, maybe it was a little bit higher after 2018, but I mean, we got, after, like, looking over, I was definitely sad. I am definitely still am sad that he's gone. But, like, after, like, what, a week and a half kind of letting that settle down, like, I've, I'm coming around to the trade. I kind of like it. I know that kind of might be opposed to most race fans' thoughts. But, like, we got a lot of good prospects in that trade. The Padres had one of the best farm systems in the MLB, and we got three out of the top 15 prospects. Like, I mean, I think it was a good overall trade. I'm still sad that he's like, I loved Snell. I loved him. He was a great personality, but like the Rays do this all the time. I mean, we can't be like that surprised. We kind of always have to be prepared for it. So like overall, I'm disappointed. I'm sad he's gone, but I'm kind of happy. Like we got a lot back, a lot more than the Cubs did for you, Darvish. So even better than that. But um, yeah, I'm sad, but not too 
not too upset about sad, it. But, sad, sad, but hopeful. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Yeah, I, I did want to say, I don't know why I thought, I mean, it probably wouldn't have happened, but I was wondering if in the trade they could have done Snell for Patino and Gore. Because I really want Gore. And I know Gore's a, he's a really high prospect right now. And he's probably going to pitch in 2021. And maybe that's the reason why the Padres were like, there's no way in hell you're going to take him from us. So we'll give you Patino instead, who's a top three guy in their system. But I was honestly thinking if you take out the other three guys that they got, if there's a way that, that they could have somehow finessed Gore into the deal, uh, or if it was just, if there was no way that that was even feasibly possible. I think they would, I think they would want to go for that catcher, you know? Um, I think that was part of the deal too. I mean, they were looking at bulking up on their catching position in their minor leagues and mm. such. So I think that was a big part of the deal. It was, you know, I like Gore too, but Patino, I think he, he'll be a good asset to the team. But I do feel the trade doesn't make the 2021 race better, which is something I saw on D-Race Bay as well. Um, it, doesn't, it doesn't do well for our next season, but maybe for the future, um, it's a really good trade. But we'll ne- we won't know until we're there. So Yeah, I, well, the I trade, agree. I def- oh, my bad. Oh, no, go ahead, Evan. I, I, I agree with you, uh, Gibby. Just like I like how we got two, two young catchers, I believe. And that's, I mean, obviously a position that has struggled for the Rays recently, other than Darno and I guess Wilson Ramos. But like we needed, we need more security at the uh, catch position, and we have a lot more young arms than we do catchers. So I think that's in the end better. I think that we did get two catchers. But yeah, that's all I was gonna say. You got it, Darby. Yeah, I mean, the, I think he's right. The it's definitely a step down for next year. Uh, you know, Eric Neander said as much. You don't replace Snell very easily in this trade. I do think though the trade in terms of value is, is fine. I think it's very fair. And I think it's, if you look at it, I, I sort of said this, we uh, just did the Razor Voice podcast with, with Brett Rutherford. And we sort of mentioned how it basically reminded, early in the off season, I thought the only way Blake Snell gets moved is if you get a Chris Archer like return. They're not moving them. They don't need to move them for anything less than a Chris Archer like return. Chris Archer maybe plus, right? And, a, you know, every move, every deal that that kind of like centered around, a lot of teams would probably be either not able to afford that or not wanting to afford that. But this trade, and I actually was just listening to the Rates and Barrels podcast with Eno Saris, and he was saying this is basically the Chris Archer trade. If you look at it, it's, you know, in that Chris Archer deal, you got Tyler Glass now sort of post-hype. He had start, you know, he had been a starter, kind of failed as a starter, way too erratic. The Pirates moved him to the bullpen. He was kind of struggling there. The Pirates have a lot of problems with pitching development, though, so there was still a lot of raw clay to work with there. And you had Austin Meadows who just had had sort of a cup of coffee in the majors hadn't really emerged yet, but both Glasnow and Meadows were top 25 in all of baseball prospects, not far removed from the trade. And mm-hmm. then the third piece, Shane Boz is a certified top 100. This trade, you had pretty much the identical move, except for you had another kind of back end of the top 100 piece, Blake Hunt and Cole Wilcox, both guys that could be in a top 100 this next year. Um, if not, they're like in the 120 range. So basically top 100. And the other two, Francisco Mejia and Luis Patino, are those top 20 guys. Mejia is sort of the glass now, uh, a little bit post-hype. The, the shine is a little bit off. But this is a guy that very recently was widely considered to be one of the 25 best 
prospects in all of baseball. And Luis Patino is, is pretty much right there. You mentioned uh, Gore. I just don't see – I think the, the Padres had him as their kind of wander. I think he was untouchable. Yeah. But it is really interesting. One, one thing for me, looking at both, I think Gore is amazing. I think coming into this trade you had to get with the Padres was either Gore or Patino. You had to get one of the two best arms they had. Uh, I love Patino. I think he is right there with Gore. And it was very interesting last year, late in the season, they promoted Patino. They gave, uh, obviously, Morahan, Adrian Morahan, some opportunities there. They also promoted Ryan Weathers, who is another pitching prospect of theirs, a really good pitching prospect, but he is in that same range as Patino and Gore. And it's interesting that Gore is the one they didn't promote of those Mm. three. And I don't know if that says something, if they either like him. They I was going to say, it's, I was going to say it's, it's probably service time. It maybe, comes... maybe, but it was so late in the season that they could have gotten away with almost not like just starting the clock a little bit, not even getting that full year started mm-hmm. in the minors this next year, especially after trading everybody. That is it's, it's well, possible that there was some stuff there was, that he wasn't quite ready. Was he at the alternate site? He was, he okay. was. And so I think, that is really I, interesting. We won't know for sure, but there is, you know, potential that Patino was just a little bit more major league ready as yeah. well. He he struggled a little bit in the majors. He was a little erratic, but he's normally for the minors been a lot better with command. Might mm-hmm. have been some nerves being a teenager who's just had a cup of coffee and double A to be into the majors into a pennant race is yeah a lot of nerves. I'm sure. Do you think but, part? Do you think part yeah. of that is they wanted to? You think they were planning to shop him like? from the beginning if they if they had to get one get rid of one of those two guys one of them they they would value gore more i guess and they would want to have him longer in the minors have more training i guess kind of like the nfl starting qb kind of thing where you kind of put him under someone and you let him develop more but this time in just in just baseball um you just i guess you he they wanted to sell patino more so maybe they brought him up earlier than they than they we're maybe we're supposed to. I could see that too because, like, he they could be they could sell him more and be like, oh, he's played in the MLB and this is what he's done. And I think that is more appealing to a lot of MLB teams that he does have MLB experience. So that's a good point, Evan or Gibby. But yeah, yeah, that's all I wanted to say. No, I think that, I think that's a good point. I think it's it it raises questions to me, right? So I think that could be that could be potentially there is actually showing him on the the main stage. It's hard to say. And and so while this trade definitely takes the raise back a step right now, I think it does open up some really interesting stuff. Now, the return is, I think, pretty fair. I'm lower on Mejia. I have been for a while, but I do think he is somebody that is an interesting buy low because there is a lot of talent in that bat. There mm-hmm. is a lot of potential there if he stays a catcher. If he doesn't stay a catcher, that bat may not be able to play in a corner outfield. But if he stays a catcher, I I think there's enough in that bat. He doesn't need to improve much there to be really good. There is a chance with Patino being really, really crazy talented that he could kind of match Blake Snell pretty soon. Probably not next year. I would way put the bet on Snell, obviously. And maybe not in year two, because I think I'd still go Snell. But you could see a trade like the Chris Archer one, where you are trading a very good top-of-the-rotation starting pitcher for a couple of pieces that you hope can can kind of immediately help. Wilcox and Hunter a few years away, but Mejia is going to be on the opening day roster. And Patino could be. I think he has enough service time because it was prorated, so it's extended Mm -hmm. out that he's not going to stay in the minors 
for just service time reasons, but they could maybe want to work with him a little bit in the, in, you know, Durham. So you could see, uh, potentially, I mean, you might be able to go see him there and, and see him work on some stuff. And the Rays might want to do some things in the rotation now that Snell is gone to be a little bit more, you know, opener and bulk man type of heavy, might try, you know, a little bit extended rotation type of thing. But I could see Patino and uh, Mejia being both on the team next year. And I could still see the Rays making a signing for a, a, a starting pitcher with some of that money they saved from Snell. So it could be a move that right now it definitely takes him back, but you could almost see that one move lead to a couple others that puts them closer. Maybe not, maybe it equals out, Maybe it's just a slight step down, mm-hmm. but it's sort of setting up that build for the present and the future all at once. That's always the Rays kind of model. Yeah. Uh, so speaking of uh, speaking of arms, I, I know that we've discussed previously of you know possible ways in order to patch what's going on with the rotation or add to the add to the rotation. And the Rays have with Michael Waka, but honestly, that's a I mean. Darby, like you were talking about with Mejia, the buy-low situation, I think that that's an extremely buy-low situation with Waka, where if you can figure things out, he'll be really good. But so the Rays have, in these trades, have ended up getting a lot of money back, and they've saved a lot of money, and they could possibly use that money in some sort of way. So there were two guys, one guy that we haven't talked about yet, and one that uh, we've talked about for a little bit in terms of possible people that they could get into the rotation, get onto the team for this season sign or trade. So the first one that I wanted to put up uh, for this, um, for free agency was um, uh, left-handed starting pitcher, James Paxton, who was on the Yankees previously on the Mariners. I know he had a down year for the Yankees last year, but he career has like a three, five ERA is a very consistent pitcher. And if, 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 if the Rays are looking for a left-handed starting pitcher to kind of replace what Snell was, honestly, Paxton's not that bad of a replacement and you're probably going to get him for cheaper possibly. And then the other one that we've discussed before is right-handed starting pitcher from the Cincinnati Reds, Luis Castillo, who I know a lot of people are high on, has one of the best off-speed pitches in the game in his changeup, and is a very intriguing player. But again, that would have to be in a trade. And also considering the fact that the Reds are willing to sell from what I've seen as of right now, it'd be really interesting. So uh, for all of you, let's start out with talking about Paxton. Uh, would it make sense for the Rays to sign him? And what do we think his range would be in terms of how much they would have to sign him? So Paxton's been a guy that I, going into the offseason, there was sort of a couple of tiers of guys that I really liked. I thought Paxton and Garrett Richards were on kind of like the upper tier of folks in the affordable range that are coming off of injury or, you know, taking advantage of the short season sample size that doesn't necessarily showcase a player very well like we're talking about Paxton he last year he pitched 20 innings and you know he was coming off of a spinal surgery and so he wasn't that great but it was also it's also 20 innings that's that's barely a sample to deal with and the year before that he was a three and a half win pitcher so taking advantage of of potentially those kind of lopsided numbers like that kind of love Garrett Richards coming back from Tommy John he pitched a bit for the Padres but wasn't fully all the way back now you're another year removed from that. So hopefully, you know, those guys are there. And then there's the other ones in that like lower tier range, like maybe like a Chris Archer, the Rays went after Waka, like these like real buy low, just put them in the back of the rotation and hopefully they kind of recover into that former glory. Um, but Paxton for me has always been a guy that I would, you know, keep keep a, keep him on the speed dial 
if the price is nice, if it's not, you know, too much, if he doesn't have a multi-year deal, I would love to bring him back in because I think he has the potential to give you I, I think you could absolutely see Paxton and Snell have a pretty much identical value season next year. Yeah. That's how high I'm yeah. on Paxton. So James Paxton actually only signs one year deals. He signs one year contracts basically every year. And it's just, he's gone up every year. His latest one was one year, 12 million. I would imagine it's going down. Um, his trade value is probably going down a little bit just because the whole league wide and, just his performance last season is not on par of what he's usually at. Um, so I could see him going down to like, you could scoop him for like seven mil. Maybe I, I would see him as a, as a competent uh, starter going to our rotation, you know? So I think it, it's a good match just because of how he likes to do his contracts. Just one year kind of stints, you know, it's a down year for baseball. He's probably not going to get as much as he wants. So why not do it with a team that's going to also help develop you? So I think that's a good option. Yeah, I, I do too. I mean, Snell is hard to replace, but Paxton is a good – he's a solid lefty starting pitcher. And um, I would say probably like anywhere from 7 and $9 million, I think, for one year, I would be content with if the Rays offered. But, yeah, I could definitely see him in a Rays um, jersey. I think he'd be a great option. As long as he stays healthy, I mean, I think he only like I think Darby said only 20 innings last year. That isn't much at all. I mean, that's mm-hmm. pretty much zero. But um, yeah, I like I'd like to see I'd like to give him like to give him a chance. It'd be kind of cool to poach him from the uh, from the Yankees. Yeah, that'd be cool. And he's been he's actually uh, it's interesting because Paxton's very similar career to Blake Snell at this point because he's been a guy that Snell is not pitched deep into games. Um, yeah. but he's gotten you a lot of quality for those innings. Mm-hmm. Uh, Paxton has kind of come and gone, but he's been injured a lot. He's had a lot of nicks, nothing major, major injuries, but like a lot of small injuries. So the highest uh, innings total for a season was 160 uh, with the Mariners and he did 150 after the trade to the Yankees. So he's not a guy you're going to pencil in for 200, but there's not a lot of guys you pencil in for 200 now anyway. Like that's sort of baseball is sort of changing. And I don't think the Rays, even if he was healthy enough to give you 200, I think he, they like the Charlie Morton model starting pitcher, which says, give me a great four and five innings rather than a, you know, go, go kind of like 80% speed and get me seven, eight innings. They want like as many of your best innings as you can get and then get it to that staple. Yeah. Because we can't, we can do that. Our bullpen's so good that, and it's so reliable that you can be like, you know what? I want all you got for five innings. We got guys that come in and back you up for that. And I think that Cash can do that because we have pieces in the bullpen that will that will back him up and hopefully hold a lead. Yeah. Stable full of guys. Always, always a stable full of guys that can throw 98. I I really like like this is I mean, this is really the first time that I've really thought about it more in depth in terms of signing him. And honestly, I think he would be great value right now because of what's going on. And they could get him at kind of the perfect time. It all just depends on that, um, those nicks that, um, that Darby was talking about with, you know, with, with small injuries here or there. And, you know, regardless of, and this has happened with a bunch of random guys, because you'll get one freak injury and then that freak injury will turn into a lot of either small injuries or it'll just be stuff that continues to happen and continues to happen. So I'm wondering if that's, if they end up signing him, if that's going to persist going into 2020, 
but I am really intrigued by it. And I would, I would really like if they could sign him. Cause I think that would be a great value if they could get him now at the price that he would be, which is somewhere between, I would say anywhere as high as 10 mil. I think, I think 10 mil for a one year contract. I think that would be on, honestly speaking, I think that would be his max because if he got 12 last year and really, and really wasn't able to do anything, even with the shortened season, then I'm not really expecting him to be able to garner that much money going into 2021. So that I think that's an honest thing. Uh, going into the Castillo trade, I want Luis Castillo really badly. He's a really good starting pitcher, and he's and he's pretty young right now. And like I said, that changeup is is unbelievably good. I what would the Rays have to give up in order to get him? Is my question. Maybe it would more definitely than have to want. <laughs> yeah, it would have to have to be one of our top prospects. Probably yeah. would have to get rid of. I think you'd look at the Blake Snell trade, and I think you'd say that it would be very similar, right? Like if they're if they're looking for that, you're gonna you're gonna take a top five and a and a top ten, and then maybe a couple more from the fifth, top fifteen. So you're probably looking at just to throw put names on it. You could potentially see. Let's just let's just make it easier and have Patino in there. So let's say Luis Patino and maybe Bruhan plus like a like a Boz or potentially like a Joe Ryan as the back end, and it'd be like a three or four piece because Bruhan's a little bit better than Mejia. So I would say yeah, maybe Patino, Bruhan, and like Boz. That that would be that would be a fairly I think fair trade. Uh, it would hurt. It would hurt a lot. But Luis Castillo is really good. And he's under control for a couple of years, so it would be a it would be an interesting move to basically swing Snell, get a few pieces, and then basically replace him with maybe an pretty much a lateral pitcher. Some might even have him a little bit Castillo a little bit higher than Snell in in terms of he's not as good as uh, MLB the Show player, but maybe yeah. he's better better pitcher. <laughs> I, I like Castillo because I think he's he's still got he's really good right now. And I feel like he's just getting better. I mean, like you just look at his stats. I mean, this was a shortened season. Home runs per nine inning, half. So like every eighteen innings, he, they're hitting a home run off of him. Only like eleven strikeouts per nine inning. Pretty good. He's just got insane numbers. You know, you just look at those stats and you think he's just getting better and better as the years go on. Um, he's just like we'd have to get up, give up a lot for him. So it would probably be like three three prospects. Maybe maybe get a vet in there, trade away someone. That's about how Austin Meadows' value is, is yeah. there. So I was gonna say Austin K- Meadows K- in there. I was gonna say KK, but I think the thing is is that yeah. I think his contract's too high. His contract's mm-hmm. too expensive for what Cincinnati would want. And I think they're fine with dealing with Senzel for a couple more years in center field or however they want to platoon it, because I know they got Shogo Akiyama out there too, and they're gonna have some other guys that are gonna flip and and, and go. But honestly, I mean thinking about it. That would be fantastic. I mean, even if there's a way to do it where, like, the Rays somehow get Senzel back so that the Reds can get Kiermaier and then just use him as the primary guy in center field, and then the Rays will find a way. I mean, they'll they'll either use Senzel or they'll just throw him elsewhere. They'll put him in another deal. Uh, But I think – I mean, it probably wouldn't happen if you would do a trade like that just because I don't really think that they need KK. I just think that he's the next person up uh, in terms of guys to be traded. I thought he was going to be the guy that was going to be traded before Snell, but uh, we're here now. So, yeah, uh, I mean, possibility, but probably, you know, not, you know, not probable. 
Yeah, Castillo. Oh, oh no, go, go ahead. I was just saying, like, looking at his numbers, it's his, oh. you know, he's under contract this year. Castillo's ARB eligible in 2022, 2023. So three years, career-wise, very similar numbers to Snell. So, yeah, I think is there's a pretty good comp right now in terms of a trade value that the Reds would just sort of point to and say, okay, well, you guys just did that trade the other way. So you know exactly the price tag on a guy that's an ace-level pitcher that's about 28 years old with three more years of team control. That's a really good point. Yeah, Castillo's off-speed is, I think, filthy is an understatement on that. Um, but yeah, I, I agree. I think three to four players, similar deal to Snell, similar deal to, like, our Archer deal um, would be, I guess, a fair trade. And, yeah, I think, like, a top top five, maybe top ten, top 15, like you said, Darby, I think that's a pretty fair trade. But, yeah, I, I want Castillo, too. I think he would – him and or Paxton would fill in that void that was just created because of Snell's – absence um but yeah I, I, he's an exciting pro he's an exciting player i'd like him on my team yeah 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 i think i mean it's going to be interesting to watch what goes on in the off season so but you know it's it's it is 2021 now so we're past the craziness of 2020 so craziness might continue in 2021 but speaking of 2021 uh the major league baseball season is planned to go on basically about as normal as we would expect it to be but there's conflicting reports from what I've seen as to whether the season's going to be delayed at the start of it, that being the regular season, um, or if they're just going to start it as is in April. I think what I saw was they were going to – they possibly might delay it to May. And then the other thing that I saw on top of that is that they're planning on doing spring training as is. Now, they didn't say with or without fans. So we're not really – I'm not going to put that into the equation. But just in terms of what is planning on going on for the 2021 season, just quickly from everyone, because I want to make sure that we have enough time to talk about um, Darby, your story with the Rays and what's going on with the hit show and D-Rays Bay. Uh, re realistically speaking, uh, having the deadlines of, or more or less like having February to March as spring training and then either April or May as the start of the season, are those realistic deadlines for Major League Baseball? Um, I think I think they... I think what they really want to do, they want to get this vaccine in all their players so they really don't have to worry about this anymore. So I, I feel like they, that's, that's like the number one thing they're trying to do. They're trying to secure that for their players, which is hard in a pandemic because it's yeah. like, oh, because they're so they're the rich. They, they get the shots before all of us, you know, people complain. So it's going to be interesting because, you know, we've never had anything like this. Um, this, is, this is completely new. Mm -hmm. Um, so I feel like that's like their main strategy going into this, um, going into this off season, just trying to secure that for their players and trying to just make sure everyone's safe. They'll probably keep the capacity low at stadiums, maybe for like the first part of the season. And then maybe if things get better, hopefully just full capacity. But I, I, I just, I'm just so I'm, I'm, I'm happy for things to be going back to normal and it, it feels like it, it sort of is. It's getting yeah, it, there. It doesn't really make much sense to me how spring training is on schedule and the regular season gets pushed back. But uh, like I, I don't really understand that at all. But um, I think a realistic, I guess, timeline is, I guess, when was the schedule? When was the regular season supposed to start? Like late? It was like late April March. 1st? It was either late like March. late March or early April, some somewhere around there. Oh okay. yeah, I would say probably like May first. I would think is a realistic date, like a month delay i mean i see no reason why like maybe that n might not be an issue because i mean they had played a full stadium i mean or a full season 
I guess, well, 60 games, but still, uh, they've played a season without the vaccine. I guess the vaccine, I mean, it, it really just depends how fast that can be deployed to everybody. Like, I mean, I think it's a very variable. Um, but yeah, I think March or, uh, excuse me, May 1st is probably a realistic timetable. Mm-hmm. They, I think they have, last year is so tricky because everything sort of happened to baseball right at the moment the world kind of was falling apart and shutting down. Mm-hmm. So that's a really tough timeline to like deal with because you are basically building the plane while you're flying. You, you don't have a strategy. You're trying to come up with a strategy. Like the net every day is like a new chaos. And overall, I have to say baseball did much better than I expected. I expected very low bar and they cleared that. It is funny to me. I do chuckle. People will say sort of like, you know, ba- baseball has a, still a lot of stuff, a lot of variables they have to deal with. A lot of people are sort of saying, you know, how like football is like sort of figured out. Football hasn't figured out anything. They just don't care. They're just like yeah, it's, it's, through. It's, They're just like. <laughs> it's way worse. I mean, there was like three breakouts during the, the MLB season. NFL, it's like every single day there's like, a new and, breakout. Yeah, and, 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 and then like college is like sun. 10 times worse. College is like 10 times worse. I don't even report that. I feel like every Monday there's a new breakout in the NFL. Like, yeah, I mean, I mean, the Browns yeah. just had a couple. Uh, what was it? Um, uh, Stefanski, and then a couple of their guys Five just got COVID. Yeah, yeah. The the Bucks just destroyed the Lions because they had their entire coaching staff was out. Basically, yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, it's football. Just like they will not stop the games, but they had. I mean, you had uh, who was it? Des Bryant test positive in the in the before the game comes out into the field and it's just like, you know, hugging everybody, <laughs> dapping up everybody on midfield. So it's very, I mean, I guess that's what Justin Turner did. He had to, he was yeah. got pulled in the middle of the, the world series deciding game, but I, you know, football is sort of showing that if you just throw the throttle down and say, damn the torpedoes full speed ahead, you can do it with fans in the stands. Uh, I think baseball doesn't want to be that Cavalier. No, um, <laughs> But they already have a good baseline of what worked, right? They try to build in some ability to be able to, like, stop play or kick, you know. I, I, let, I actually did not mind a lot of the changes they made for the pandemic, like those shorter double headers. I kind of dug it. I thought that was – those were pretty fun games, actually. So certain things like that, again, into next year, I think if you just say, we're not going to try to push this too different. We're going to just try to do it. Like, we, we already did it once. We succeeded this way. Let's not try to shake it up too much. I'm sure there will be fans in the stands at some point, probably like 4,000 or something like that, like like the uh, the NFL's doing in some places. Uh, and they'll probably go state by state. It's going to be a weird mess for money, I'm sure. But I do think they will try to push that. As it, as it goes on, as the vaccine becomes more widely available, as people get it, as things improve. But I do think their general plan is going to be okay. Okay, I still am not sure if they are going to start on time because there's still a long way to go in these winter months. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think they at least have a game plan from last year that they're not having to rebuild everything. They yeah. have at least an idea of what a pandemic-shortened season looks like, and things are a little bit better now because we know how the pandemic works a little bit more, and there is a vaccine coming, not soon enough, but it's still there. So there's, they're, they're at least not starting from scratch. Last year was such a difficult thing. They were able to get 60 games. Most teams were able to get a ball in. The Rays got every, you know, didn't have to to spend a single game. And the World Series in. So they were able to do it. They have a blueprint. 
but they have to be willing to to still stick to that or at least probably want more games but uh yeah and that's gonna be the thing we haven't talked about what what's gonna happen with the players union and the owners they, this is still gonna be a money fight no yeah. fans in the stands or four thousand fans yeah, in the stands. I don't even think a that's like difference. that's like a whole different podcast. I don't even want to get into that because God, that's that two months so from annoying. now and it's going to be a nightmare. Oh, but, it's yeah. it's, coming. it's already a nightmare thinking about it, which is not good. Evan, did you have a, a point? <laughs> I just thought that was a really good point you made, Darby, about how like I mean, mid March last year is infam- infamously known as like the time where the world kind of changed, or at least the United States kind of changed, and that is typically right around when baseball starts, and they had to like just kind of hustle around and have absolutely no clue what they were doing. No one knew what they were doing, but like baseball had to do something they'd never done before. And I thought that was a really good point, how they kind of already have an established plan on how to kind of go about their business in a time like today. And I think that they can build off that to make a successful 2021 season. Yeah, definitely. I just liked how this is going to be the third straight year of negotiations between like the MLB, (laughs) the player association, I'm sure they're just wiped. I'm sure they they don't like each other it's at all. Be, it's, it's gonna it's, be it's, it's gonna be fun. It's not going to be fun. I can say that. <laughs> it's just no, setting up for uh, next year. Next uh, 2021 CBA negotiations. Oh my god! I don't even setting like, up a big heavyweight fight. That's gonna be the 12th round, and everyone's <laughs> bloodied. It's gonna be so annoying. But we'll all have to eyes are sealed. Nobody's like. Yeah, it's it's, it's not going to be fun whatsoever, and we'll see what happens with that. But thank God that's still many months away. So, Darby, did you grow up a Rays fan? What's your story in terms of you being involved as a Rays fan within the community with the team? Yeah, so so I was I was born in Florida. Uh, I was born in Newport Ritchie, so fifth generation Floridian, and um, all my family's from the kind of the Tampa Bay area, so mm-hmm. Tampa, St. Pete, Riverview, kind of all over that. Place. And so I, uh, I kind of grew up baseball. I really enjoyed baseball when I was young. Um, the Rays started in 98. I was 10 years old. So it was actually a pretty perfect time to kind of have a new baseball team in the area. So I kind of adopted them right from there. Got my first bit of Rays merch from the Bradenton Mall. And yeah, I, I kind of was right off the bat. It was kind of a fun fun team i'm wearing a throwback hat right now uh and so like the branding it's was drip. super cool drip. oh thank you thank you <laughs> yeah as like as like a kid as like a 10 year old kid you know the colors were pretty cool you got the devil rays that's a cool thing like it's it was really kind of perfect for for like youth in the area to be like yeah let's do yeah that. i don't know cool. how the the original townspeople did not like the colors a lot of a lot of people hated those colors i don't know how you could ever oh, hate, I those hate the second those I hate are the second those are the no, sexiest uniforms ever no the second iteration of the uniforms are the most the green crazy. the greens oh, the greens my. are pretty bad yeah yeah the, green, like, the greens yeah. were not a great choice oh uh, the vest the, the, the purple vest. just ugh. it was yeah, so but, bad but go go on what you're saying darby i just they're, wanted to they're iconic they are well, and that's the thing is that old that old school look, the gradient that that stuff now looks so good as like a throwback. And the way the Rays have done it as like a new back, like a kind of a, a new. Oh yeah, there you go. He's got that. That is that is the best like modern throwback by exactly. far. The exactly. They incorporated that. Oh yeah, that's amazing. So yeah, as a fan, it kind of hit at a perfect time. My my dad was like fan of everything Tampa sports when the Bucks 
kind of became a fan. He switched allegiances from the Dolphins. His brother stayed a Dolphins fan. He just wanted to stay proud to Tampa. So he immediately from – and he stayed through the first uh, two seasons of, of two oh, wins. Oh, God, the horror. <laughs> so, yeah, no, he stayed with that. And so I think he was just ride or die Tampa. And so that kind of passed it on, on to me. So I, I've been rooting all Team Tampa Bay kind of ever since – I'm a huge baseball fan as a, as a whole, though. So, like, if if there was no Rays, I would still be following baseball. But I'm really glad, and I feel very lucky because the Rays were so abjectly awful to watch for so long that I feel like the last well, 12 years now, from 2008 on, has been just such a fun baseball team, and they've been competitive every single year. They had one year where they had a really terrible month. Everybody got it hurt and they lost like 20 something games in a row or something like that. And that's when they got Brendan McKay. Other than that random spike. And that was mostly good baseball through that season. You, this has been a competitive team. And so I get the fan frustration sometimes when it comes to the Rays, not like doing enough, but like, I just remember <laughs> those first 10 years of just like 66 wins was like, yeah, we did it over 65 <laughs> And just awful, awful baseball. So the, to have like really good, to fun to watch baseball is great. Now that I write and podcast for the team and, and about the team, I'm really thankful to have a team that does a lot of weird, interesting things that not only are they good, it that's, keeps that's the content good. Fun. It keeps the content good. It keeps good. the content good. So thank you, Always. Ray. Good thank be, you, could be Joe race. Madden. Good. Thank you, Joe Madden, Kevin Cash, Andrew yeah, Friedman, Eric a, Neander. Always, Thanks for being weird. They weird, Rays. But yeah, that's the thing. So a couple of years ago when uh, the Rays debuted the opener, right? And it like broke broke baseball minds. Everybody lost their, their <laughs> uh, it was It was the greatest thing because it was such a, a cool new thing. And even then, like very soon after the next year, the Rays like, were the team that did the least. They basically were like, we do it a little bit, but we're really just actually have all this great starting pitching, so that's fine. And then that sort of transition now to aggressive bullpenning and using like the closer and different things. I just, it, it's so refreshing to be the team that's on the kind of the cutting edge and on the bleeding edge innovation that it's just really fun to be able to be like, what new weird thing comes next? It would be great. Obviously, it would be very easy to if the Rays had like a $200 million payroll, just bought every, you know, kept everybody great, bought everybody great. But there's a lot of things that if we had like an infinite payroll that the, I would still want the Rays to do. Yeah. And I would still want them to do, like to try to find ways to push the boundaries on these different things. So it's been very fun to grow up, you know, 10 years old, just rocking the team because they're from the Tampa Bay area and they had cool colors and a cool logo, but we're just really bad baseball. So following some really good young players like Carl Crawford and Rocco Baldelli and Scott Casimir to now being just genuinely excited to, to learn and research and, and, and talk about different weird stuff that they do. Mm -hmm. So that And winning. They also win a lot. So that's also awesome. they, yeah, they, they do. do. They do win a lot. So that, so that leads me into talking about what you've done so far with D-Rays Bay. So obviously you do the Hit Show podcast and then you also write for the site. When did you first get started with that? How did the opportunity present itself to you? And was Danny the person that ushered you into it and really helped you get you know, acquainted with everything? So, so Danny's been great. It was actually Ian Malinowski who uh, was the interim editor-in-chief before Danny um, and then still current editor on the site. And uh, he 
basically I'll say my, my D-Rays Bay career started uh, in a sort of back and forth argument with another commenter on uh, a message on, on the D-Rays Bay comment section, basically. I was, I was just, you know, back and forth as you do, but doing so in a way that was less, uh, you know, trollish or flame war. So there you go. It pays, it pays kids not to uh, be a jerk online and try to make points, you know, reasonably. So yeah, Ian, Ian uh, shot me an email and basically said like, I was checking out that thread. You're making really good arguments. You, you know, clearly have a good way of thinking about baseball or, or whatever. And, uh, and sort of said, have you ever thought about writing for the writing in general about the team? And I, and I went to school. I'm, got a degree in, in film and uh, and film studies. And I've done a lot of like sort of screenplay work when I was in college and I really liked storytelling. And so I wrote a lot, but mostly, you know, kind of like fiction and stories and stuff like that. And I've always been passionate about baseball. And at the, you know, when you boil it down, sports and specifically, they are stories. They are amazing human interest stories. They're real stuff. You have heroes and you have villains and you have obstacles to overcome. And so it became a pretty natural sort of fit. And, and I had, was a fan of D-Rays Bay for a while. I kind of fought, I found them during the 2008 uh, season because I remember just wanting to consume as much Rays content as possible because they were now like really good. Mm-hmm. And I was not really... There, there was a lot out there, but no, nobody was really writing about the Rays in like the, you know, Yahoo Sports and ESPN and all that. And so I found D-Rays Bay and it was just amazing. They had such a super talented stable of writers that, uh, that I just like was on the site like tons. And that year was so exciting that you just wanted to keep coming back. So I basically became a huge fan of the site for a while. And then, yeah, a few years later, I uh, you know, started writing for them and the rest is history. And then, and then um, how did you get involved with the podcast? But that's something that you started up and when did all of that start up for D-Race Bay? Yeah, so that was, that was Danny's idea. Well, we first sort of started, we wanted to do a little bit of podcasting, want to do some Facebook Live stuff. And, you know, we had a bunch of people that like volunteered and it's tough when your writer's room is, you know, we're all spread out. Like I'm, I'm now in uh, Washington State but before that, uh, I was in Washington, D.C. when I uh, got, got selected. And so, you know, we had not had any, like, Zoom or Skype conversation. There was no Zoom back then. There was, there, we had no Skype conversations back then. And so I do think Danny, I don't know if he's, I've never ever talked to him about this, but I always felt like he, there was a lot of people that, like, raised their hand, like, oh, we'll do the podcast. And I feel like he was like, I just don't know if anybody here is that good, but we'll see. <laughs> Uh, and so I, I remember hopped on and we did a, we did like one podcast early on in the days and I must've done pretty well. And so Danny really liked it. And then he, uh, wanted me to do the ask DRB Facebook live Q and A's. And so we did that for like a full, full season. And those were really fun. They're still up on our, our Facebook page. And they were just great. It was just basically me, my phone, talking to, to Rays fans and answering questions for like an hour every week. And it was super fun. And uh, we just sort of decided to do more and more, wanted to do more and more of that content. And so uh, kind of the hit show was born. We brought in Brett Rutherford to to kind of bring his podcast into the mix. And during the postseason, I think that was like the most fun podcast that we've, we've ever done, which was these, I know, grueling for Brett. I remember listening to him on your show talking about that, but... It, you know, every every game, every single 
pretty much every single night for a good chunk there, uh, doing a podcast after the game and just those instant reactions. They were, uh, they were pretty, pretty great, pretty fun. We have some cool stuff coming up, but I don't want to spoil it. There's something that's in the mix. One of our writers, Jim Turvey, has in mind. And we, we kind of last year did a, uh, a bracket for most beloved Braves player. G-Man Choi almost upset Evan Longoria for it. And then this past year, he hit a right-handed wow. home run and did more splits. So I feel like we ran that again. G-Man might even take it. But hey, wait, was Brandon even in like in the mix for any of that? L- Lau? Yeah. Lau? He was. He was. He was criminally under uh, seated. We 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 definitely looking looking back. <laughs> we were very. We were we were too old. We we went. We over overemphasized uh, and underemphasized the modern. And overemphasized the old. Okay, so, uh, I'm I'm betting on on in that bracket. If you do another one, it's going to be Tyler Glass now. I guarantee it. I, I, think, I think Glass now is rising. He did really well, actually. He did really Glass well. First but but Choi is everyone's sweetheart. He's yeah. like yeah. Choi's sweetheart. So everybody lo- everybody who's not a Rays fan loves G Man Choi. Like, G Man Choi is amazing. He Absolutely. he's potentially yeah. you could argue is the face of the Rays, which is insane <laughs> it's, to think about. Like he's, he's like, the most he's the most gifable Ray. He's he definitely is the most definitely, gifable definitely. Ray. He's not an amazing player. He's an amazing guy. He's not yeah. an amazing. Like he doesn't nothing yeah. about his stats like pop out at you where you're like oh my god this guy's an all star he's not he's just it's I fun. don't know how to sure, yeah he's just G man he's just G man like, I don't know I don't know <laughs> understand how to describe him but I, honestly I think that's the easiest way to describe him is that he's G man there is no he's way he's G man like that's it yeah <laughs> oh also the fact that he disowns Garrett Cole I, that's just the best part like that- every every other pitcher. And then Garrett Cole just owns him. Owns it's, a, him. it's a very, it's one of the weirder splits where you have a, a guy that's a good major leaguer, but definitely not a great, definitely not an all-star, but absolutely has an absurd slash line against maybe one of the three best pitchers in the game right now. And then even into the postseason where he so was hitting an almost untouchable Garrett Cole and tilt G-Man. It was like nightmares for, for Cole. It is it was one of the I, – I won't understand it, and honestly, I think that that's completely fine because it's just – he yeah. is who he is. So I wanted to ask you – Just keep couple, doing it. Honestly, so you just got to keep doing this thing, and they're going to keep him around um, yeah. as long as they can. Yeah. So, Darby, I have a few quick hitters for you. So you just mentioned that, that you're currently living in Washington, Washington State, that is. Well, well, when did you move out there, and are you going to a lot of Mariners games as a result of being out there? Like, I don't know how close you are to the Seattle Mm-hmm. Yeah, I moved out here. This is about going to be four years next month. And yeah, we, uh, we, my wife and I would go to, we're probably, usually we try to get to a couple games a month. Uh, we're about like an hour and a half from the stadium. Okay. Uh, so not too bad. But uh, yeah, definitely. That's like, we would get, we got to a ton, we would get to a ton of Tacoma Rainier's games, which is their AAA oh, team. Oh, okay. That's like 45 minutes away. Yeah. Gorgeous stadium. So, and, and minor, you know, AAA baseball especially is just super fun. So that yeah. that's, like, great. Super cheap tickets. So you just go mm. with friends, you know, get some yeah, beers. definitely. Awesome time. But then, yeah, we would get to a ton of Mariners games. Tons and tons of Mariners games. Every time the Rays are in town, I get to go. Thankfully, they, they play every year. Yeah. Unfortunately, for a while there, they would lose every year. They just had this weird, couldn't beat them at all. Uh, and then the last couple of years, I've been getting, um, Dana's been getting me press press passes so I'd be able to get into the clubhouse and talk to some of the players and and get some get some quotes on some stories we're working on and 
be able to actually get some uh, hands-on stuff. But uh, yeah, it's it's been really fun. I mean, like it's great in DC. I would I would go like usually like twice a week. Like it was so easy because you're just so close. So I go to Nats games all the time. But the Rays were only there once um, for for a two game set, and uh, that was that was super cool. But yeah, being out here at least I get the Rays every year and lots of other fun stuff. So it was really cool to. The Mariners are like a fun team too because I feel like they also have Lookout Landing is the other great, like greatest SB Nation blog out there. Uh, they're they're the best, and uh, there's always a lot of love for Rays and Mariners. I feel like they're that's like a, a love story built in pain of sports because it's besides the Seahawks, ball. there's been a lot of lot of pain in Seattle hey, sports. Hey, 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 Geographically, hey. it makes sense too. Hey, what about the me. Sounders? You're just completely disregarding the, the Sounders. Sounders have the been very good. Best team in Seattle. They they are they are they are. <laughs> they did not do so well in this this year's MLS Cup, but they no. went back to the, the cup, so that was good. Yeah, it's 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 really cool. And so having the trading partners there, that was always super fun because you'd have a lot of uh, X rays out there. Got to see Malik Smith a bunch. That's that's really cool. That's really cool. Favorite player, favorite Rays player, not only growing up but also currently. Okay, ooh, growing up, or or you can do all time too. So you can do three. Okay, so growing up was probably really close between Carl Crawford and Casimir. Uh, okay. Currently, favorite player, I w- I would say, I mean, right now, I, I I there is something there is something frustrating about Tyler Glass now, but he is a truly gorgeous human being, and I do love watching him pitch. So it's like this, like I can't, I'm like the most captivated by that. But I, I probably say, you know, honestly, Willie Adamas is pretty much right up there because he's so talented and so much, there's just so much like to love about him that I will never root against him. So yeah. I'm always going to be rooting hard for Willie. So probably like Willie for position player, Tyler for, for that. And what about, and so what, like, about yeah. what about all time? All time James Shields. James Ooh. Shields. Yeah, like over, over like Longo. Over Longo, but James Shields was always my favorite. Uh, I like Ray's, that Ray's pitcher, and I love that changeup. I loved that his delivery. He was a workhorse on the mound. He, he was, had so yeah. many complete games, didn't he? Yeah. Didn't he yeah. throw like 250 yeah. innings one year? Something crazy. Yeah, like that was that, the year he like... had like I think he had like nine or eleven complete games. It was mm-hmm. it was just like a brutal, just like grinding year. Different he different off. Rays team for sure. He's a, he went he's off. a different kind of beast. He's yeah. built yeah. the Ray. The Rays need a guy like that. What's a redeemable quality about the trop that not a lot of people will understand because they either A, hate it, or they B, have just never been to it? Are, are you a trop sympathizer, first of all? Absolutely. Absolutely. Obviously. No, they, yeah. they just I, need I like to it. just airlift it into, into Tampa proper and you're good to go. Yeah. Or just put it right in the bay and build a bridge over it. Um, <laughs> I, uh, you know, honestly, recently, those, those LED lights are some of the absolute... I've not been to a game with the LED lights now installed, but that, that is some of the coolest stuff on the TV. That, that's been mm-hmm. really, really cool. There's some great photos from there. But I, I don't know. I think just in general, I don't think people underestimate how or people underestimate how not terrible the inside is in terms of the viewing experience and the concessions as well. Like in recent years, there's been like an improvement, but like I've been to, I've been to a couple of games in Oakland. I've been to a bunch in the Coliseum there and that, that place is a real dump. Like that's what I think people think of (laughs) the drop, but like that place is like, there is just, it is a, 
barren, really concrete, really like almost like Russian. Yeah, that Oakland Stadium, it's like a college stadium. Like I've been. It's just not. It's, it's just not even trying to be like yeah. a friendly baseball. Yeah. Complex. So the fans uh, go. The fans are awesome. The fans are awesome. They they really try to liven it up, but like the concession, everything just is like feels really run down. And the and the trap doesn't inside. It doesn't look the best from the outside, but it doesn't feel run down when you're. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the thing that that not a lot of people get. But yeah, it 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 it, it is what it is. People people will have their 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 feelings one way or another um, people compare it to like like petco or like you know chavez ravine and like the dodge it's like well no obviously it's not like that it's yeah like, those are gorgeous <laughs> but like you know it's not pac bell park or ATP yeah people park call now. it people call uh, it like Oracle the kingdom they call it Oracle the kingdom park. like from it's not Mariners. the kingdom no yeah the it's kingdom not it's not at all not at all no the kingdom was uglier i mean it, it like it, it looked it looked pretty cool from the outside but it was all concrete yeah like like there was not i mean in, in, there was there was nothing really redeemable about it. Uh, and then last thing before we wrap this up, quickly about 2021. Uh, how are you feeling about this team, confidence wise? Right now, I put them as a 90 plus win team. I think they're going to be competitive for the division. If if nothing else changes, you know, no other signings, I think they're going to be competitive for the division. I would like to see one more move uh, with that rotation. Maybe add another person that can give you just a little bit more so that you can push those young guys down a little bit, but not fully block them. But this is a good team. Like this, this team, before the Snell trade, I, I, I didn't really see too much of a drop-off from last year. And I think a lot of people underrated just how good they were built last year. Um, they weren't quite on the like 117-win pace or so that their 40 and 20 was. But this is a legitimate division contender. They are now a slight step back, but the Yankees still have to do a lot of moves to recover from the losses they've had. They, they still need to re-sign LeMahieu. They still need to re-sign and replace Paxton and Tanaka. And so they still have some moves to do. I think the Rays, a couple more, maybe more moves. But I think this is a team that's going to compete in the AL East. I think they're definitely a team that's going to compete for the wild card at worst. Baseball's weird. Stuff happens. But I'm still pretty confident that this team is going to be really good next year and a team that can get to the postseason and make waves. And if the playoffs expand to eight, then basically they're going to have another season where they don't really need to push it and then just sort of set up who's going to be the playoff team. Agreed. Agreed. Well, Darby, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and talking to us. Uh, we really, really appreciate you taking the time to do this. We, we do want to make sure that we plug everything that you got going on before we end this. So where can people find you and the Hit Show podcast on social media? and or, you know, find your work on D-Race Bay? Uh, yeah, so you can find me on Twitter uh, at Darby underscore Robinson. Post my stuff there. And then, yeah, just uh, the hit show, Raise Your Voice, both of those. I'm frequent guest stars on Raise Your Voice. We're on the hit show a lot. We got some fun stuff coming out. So if you're not subscribed, subscribe in your, uh, wherever you get your podcasts. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, keep, keep checking D-Race Bay. We, anytime the Rays do weird stuff, we're going to have a few articles. We're going to keep dissecting it from every angle. So if you don't know how to feel, come to the, come to the site and we'll hopefully help you out there. They got and some quality stuff, quality articles. That snow article is beautiful. Love it. Yeah. d Bay yeah. is awesome. d Bay really we, is We, we try. I, thankfully at the site, I'm still a fan of the site, right? Like I write some, but I'm just so blown away by everybody that I get to write with and podcast with that 
I will check the site and just get super excited when I hear, when I see, you know, folks in, in our Slack chat basically start to say like, Ooh, I'm, what about this? And like, I'm going to start looking into this. And I'm like, I can't wait to read this. I'm so excited. Yeah. So yeah, I, I'm, just, I'm just very lucky. Yeah. You guys do a lot of great stuff there. And I'm sure that we're going to continue to, you know, hopefully do stuff with a lot more D-Rays Bay writers and hopefully continue to work with the site uh, as things yeah, go Yeah. And I, I just want to say I'm really excited about all the uh, all the stuff that you guys are, are plugging, all the fan integration, all the great like kind of becoming the like the voice of the uh, Rays Twitter is kind of cool, and getting to hear some of these these folks that I only know on from Rays Twitter in in the podcast has been kind of fun to uh, to see. So keep we up. We are we are beyond excited about it. Thank you so <laughs> much. Like we're. Uh, we're we're crazy excited about it so it's going to be a lot of fun but Darby thank you so much for coming on we really really appreciate you taking the time to do this and for everyone else listening thanks so much for listening to this podcast again a happy new year to you all if you didn't know we're turning into a network we're going to add in writing YouTube Twitch more social media stuff just anything that you can think of we're going to try to do we're going to try to make it as much for the Rays fan as possible did change our handle Twitter handle slightly it's just raise the roof tv now instead of raise the roof pod we also now have instagram we're going to start posting on that soon it's just the same thing just all lowercase raise the roof tv we're on spotify apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, wherever you can find podcasts we're there uh and again thanks so much to everyone for listening and from all of us stay safe stay healthy please wear a mask and raise up yeah raise thank up. you darby again and raise up raise up